0: everyone. It is Holy Saturday, a day in which, for a lot of Catholics, I think it gets forgotten. I don't know what to do with Holy Saturday. Everyone is pretty big on Good Friday. People seem to know Good Friday is a a day of prayer and fasting and abstinence, and we know how to keep Good Friday. Hopefully you were able to enjoy participating in the, the liturgy yesterday, present in the church uh, but even if not, people seem to know that Good Friday is a day that is different. It should be different uh, if we do it right. But what about Holy Saturday? Well, just to, to recap where we left things yesterday, at the celebration of the Passion of the Lord, the official liturgy of the day, although there might be other things like the Stations of the Cross and the Three Hours and various devotions, we would call them, of popular piety. there's one liturgy of the day and that is the solemn celebration of the Lord's Passion, uh, ideally at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the historical hour at which Jesus died. But if you remember, at the end of that, we, we venerated the cross, and then the, the cross is left either near or on the altar with two or four candles, and then after the liturgy, all depart in silence. Again, there's no dismissal here, because as I said on Holy Thursday, the Mass of Holy Thursday begins with the greeting and the sign of the cross, and then that's that's the beginning of the Triduum liturgy, the great three days, Triduum, that, that lasts all the way up until Easter, and there is no end of that liturgy, at least not particularly speaking, that there, there's not a dismissal. There's no go in peace. There's no blessing. At the end of the Good Friday liturgy, there is simply a prayer over the people, and then all depart in silence. <laughs> with the cross left between two candles there for the continuing veneration of the faithful, and after the liturgy, the altar is stripped. In other words, all the, the cloths are taken off the altar, and we return back to uh, as it was at the end of Holy Thursday when the altar is stripped and uh, all is taken away. That is how we, we left things yesterday. Now, Today as we come to the church what would we what we find if we we came to the church today Well hopefully or theoretically anyway if you came to your church today you would find uh things well somewhat similar to as you left them uh yesterday at least in in the morning uh, perhaps if you came into the church you would find the the altar stripped the, the church bare and the uh cross. there either near or on the altar with its two or four candles burning, and uh, you would be able to come and, and venerate the cross. Now, I think a lot of people would uh, come to think that, well, it, it's Holy Saturday, so Good Friday's over. Yay, it's done. Yeah, get ready for Easter. Well, there there is uh, perhaps a desire after a day of prayer and fasting to to want to just Okay, we're done with that now. <laughs> Let's move on to Easter, right? Well, not exactly. Holy Saturday is meant to be a day of watching and waiting. It is definitely not Easter yet. What was Jesus doing on this day? Well, we'll, we'll talk uh, a little bit uh, about that. What, you know, historically, what happened on Holy Saturday. And that's uh, a hard one for what, what was Jesus doing and I, to give you a little uh, overview of maybe what was Jesus doing. Well, today is a day in which uh, we speak of the harrowing of hell, the harrowing of hell. We don't use the word harrow very often. Uh, but Jesus essentially going to the, the poor souls that had been waiting since the, the time of Adam and Eve uh, to enter heaven. These are, these are not souls that are damned. These are souls that are good. It's sometimes referred to as the bosom of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the holy men and women who have lived uh, since the beginning of the world don't deserve to be condemned forever in Gehenna, as Jesus uses the word, or hell, Hades. What about these good people? Well, couldn't go to heaven. Because if you remember the the end of the story in Genesis, when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the garden, well... Uh, A a, a cherub angel is stationed there with a fiery sword to prevent anyone from returning to the Garden of Eden. It's closed. The good people who died before Jesus' death on the cross, well, heaven is closed. So where do they go? Well, they go to Sheol in Hebrew, the underworld. Uh, Hades, the the place of uh, the death, the underworld. Not a place of, inflicted punishment or suffering, but rather a place of, well, expectation, waiting, can't be in heaven yet. They know that the Messiah is coming in in time, and then after Jesus's death on the cross, well, everything changes. And for that, I'm going to turn to another part of the liturgy for today, today on which we don't celebrate Mass. The, the Easter Vigil tonight is properly the first Mass of Easter, so there is no mass on Holy Saturday, just as there was no mass on Good Friday, but the the liturgy for this day is, in fact, the liturgy of the hours, or the Divine Office, the daily prayer that uh, is taken up by priests and religious every day. Uh, the The office is very special on on this day, as it is for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I I haven't haven't mentioned this before, but uh, Prior to the reforms of Holy Week in the 1950s, uh, there was a, a a solemn kind of prayer in the the evening each day called Tenebrae, or it means Tenebrae in Latin means shadows. Now, I've mentioned the strange kind of way in which the timings of the liturgy got off, so that prior to the 1950s, the Easter Vigil got pushed up to what was actually celebrated well Saturday morning. So, in order to have something to do in the evenings on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening the faithful began to pray the Liturgy of the Hours anticipated ahead of time, and that was known as tenebrae. Well, now it's encouraged that we pray those offices in the morning, so the Office of Readings and Morning Prayer, as they're called in the modern uh, right, or Matins and Lauds, as they are in Latin. So I want to share with you the, the uh, liturgy from today, and that is, of course, not the Liturgy of Mass, but rather the Liturgy of the Hours, and I invite you just, uh, this is about probably three minutes of a, a homily uh, from Holy Saturday, and we don't know the author. It simply is entitled An Ancient Homily on Holy Saturday, and it gives you some idea here of, well, what was Jesus doing? Well, this is uh, a little idea of what Jesus might have been doing on Holy Saturday in the the mind of of one preacher, and I invite you just to meditate on this as I read it. It's one of the most beautiful uh, Holy Saturday readings that I I know of, and uh, I hope it will will help kind of set the tone for the the rest of our more technical talk about the liturgy, perhaps, today. But this this is really what Holy Saturday is all about. From an ancient homily on Holy Saturday. Something strange is happening. There is a great silence on earth today. A great silence? and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence, because the king is asleep. The earth trembled and is still, because God has fallen asleep in the flesh, and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh, and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent, as for a lost sheep. Greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, he has gone to free from sorrow the captives Adam and Eve, he who is both God and the son of Eve. The Lord approached them, bearing the cross, the weapon that had won him the victory. At the sight of him, Adam, the first man he had created, "'struck his breast in terror and cried out to everyone, "'My Lord be with you all.' "'Christ answered him, "'And with your spirit.' "'He took him by the hand and raised him up, saying, "'Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, "'and Christ will give you light. "'I am your God, "'who for your sake have become your Son.' Out of love for you and for your descendants, I now by my own authority command all who are held in bondage to come forth. All who are in darkness to be enlightened. All who are sleeping to arise. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held in a prison in hell. Rise from the dead for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, work of my hands, you who were created in my image, rise, let us leave this place. For you are in me and I am in you. Together we form only one person and we cannot be separated. For your sake, I, your God, became your son. I, the Lord, took the form of a slave. I, whose home is above the heavens, descended to the earth and beneath the earth. For your sake, for the sake of man, I became like a man without help, free among the dead. For the sake of you, who left a garden, I was betrayed to the Jews in a garden, and I was crucified in a garden. See on my face the spittle I received in order to restore to you the life I once breathed into you. See there the marks of the blows I received in order to refashion your warped nature in my image. On my back, see the marks of the scourging I endured to remove the burden of sin that weighs upon your back. See my hands nailed firmly to a tree for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. I slept on the cross and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side has healed the pain in yours. My sleep will rouse you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheathed the sword that was turned against you. Rise, let us leave this place. The enemy led you out of the earthly paradise. I will not restore you to that paradise, but I will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of life, but see, I who am life itself am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are guarded. But now, I make them worship you as God. The throne formed by cherubim awaits you, its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adored. The banquet is ready. The eternal dwelling places are prepared. The treasure houses of all good things lie open. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all eternity. Powerful words on this Holy Saturday morning. What was Jesus doing on Holy Saturday? Well, I suppose there's as good an idea as any. What a beautiful image to think of. Jesus, whose earthly body lies dead in the tomb, Alive, powerfully working, victorious over sin and death, now leading all the dead, the righteous dead, from the underworld to glory. This is the price of what the cross bought. Why did Jesus go through everything he did yesterday on Good Friday? So that he could do what he did today, to free all those in bondage to death from the beginning of the world, beginning with Adam and Eve, so that you and I could be brought to heaven when we die. Notice the references in that homily to the the cherubim stationed to guard Adam. It refers to the book of Genesis, that they are banned from paradise. The sword that pierced Jesus' side has now turned against the sword that prevented them from entering heaven. And I love that little bit, I will not restore you to merely the paradise of the beginning of the creation. Jesus has something even bigger in mind. Think how amazing that is. We just celebrated the day on which we we killed God. If anything, we would expect today would be about vengeance. (laughs) Jesus, all right, he did it. He died, and now now he's going to get even. He's victorious, but what about us? We're the ones that killed him. What what does Jesus do? No, he, he accomplished the mission for which he came. His mission was to save and set free all those who were lost, enslaved by sin. Everyone who ever has been born or ever will be born, you and I living right now, Jesus saved us on Good Friday. And on Holy Saturday, we see the beginning of the fruits of that as heaven is now open. Once again. what a beautiful thing to keep in mind, as we talk about Holy Saturday today, uh, as a day, it is an a liturgical day in that there's, there's no mass, but there is this watching and waiting. The instructions uh, in the, the Roman Missal today for, for Holy Saturday are very simple. There, there's, there's three of them. One, on Holy Saturday, the church waits at the Lord's tomb in prayer and fasting. Meditating on his passion and death and on his descent into hell and awaiting his resurrection. Okay, that's a, that's a lot. Uh, we just read a little kind of homily about that, but let's unpack that. Okay, the church waits at the Lord's tomb. Okay, Jesus is not risen yet, okay? I, I Remember I said it's not Easter yet. It's not time to party. It's, it's watching and waiting. If we had to have two words, that's it. Watch, wait much as we, we ended Holy Thursday night with Jesus asking while he was still alive, could you not watch? Could you not wait with me for an hour? Well, today the Lord's body was placed in the tomb. And so we watch and wait. This uh, 2,000 years ago, historically, of course, would have been Shabbat, the Sabbath. So what were the apostles, what were the disciples doing? Well, nothing. They, they were probably gathered in the, the upper room where you know we find them on Easter Sunday, doors locked, afraid, uh, no one goes out on the Sabbath, so they would have just been waiting, probably sorrowful, praying, perhaps remembering the words of Jesus, "On the third day, I will rise again. Like to think that those thoughts would have at least sparked their their curiosity, their maybe perhaps a little bit of of hope. well, that's perhaps what the apostles were doing but they would have been resting as they would have every sabbath but maybe with a little expectation and certainly for us as we rest on this day we do so with great expectation because unlike the apostles we are sure what is going to happen because what we celebrate tonight is some it, it's already happened as i said all of the events of the liturgy of these 3 days it, it's outside time So, yes, we try to walk through it in a historical kind of progression of things. But, of course, it's already happened. Easter has already happened. Everything we celebrate is in light of Easter. Uh, So the watching and waiting uh, is one that is, of course, conditioned by, uh, with every moment, uh, gets closer to the full celebration of, of Easter, which is where this day is headed. But on Holy Saturday, the church waits at the Lord's tomb in prayer and fasting. Fasting? I thought that was done yesterday, Father Sean. Well, true, the canonical legal obligation to fast is only from midnight to midnight on Good Friday, and it only binds those from 18 to 59 years of age. Um, So yes, that part is done. But uh, the instructions for Easter also say that the faithful are to be encouraged to continue the fast of Good Friday on Holy Saturday, up until the Easter Vigil and the celebration of Easter. So I offer that to your edification prayer, fasting, and meditating on his passion and death and on his descent into hell. We just did a little bit of that, didn't we? Uh, so if you do nothing else, there's a little bit of meditation on the descent into hell. Uh, my friends, the, the little sisters and little brothers of the Lamb uh, do a extended meditation on the descent into hell. In fact, they, they end up praying into all hours of the night. And if you saw my my pilgrimage to the the seven churches on Holy Thursday night, one of the places I stopped was the monastery of the Little Sisters of the Lamb. And I think they were going to like 2.30 in the morning, something like that, on just Holy Thursday. And of course, last night, they, they pray about this uh, descent into hell. So I invite you to become acquainted with the Little Sisters of the Lamb here in Kansas City if you're looking for Uh, some extended prayer and meditation as is offered. Second thing, it says the church abstains from the sacrifice of the mass with the sacred table left bare until after the solemn vigil. That is the anticipation by night of the resurrection when the time comes for Paschal joys, the abundance of which overflows to occupy 50 days. Okay, so there's a a whole summary there. Uh, Today, Holy Saturday, we abstain from the sacrifice of the mass with the sacred table, that is the altar, left bare. Um, as I said, uh, this is one of the days where we don't celebrate Mass. The vigil is technically a part of Easter, um, but it, it, one of the instructions is that the the Church abstains from celebrating the sacraments on this day. Uh, primarily refers to the Mass, and of course, you know, like weddings or things like that you wouldn't do. Um, of course, in emergencies, people that are near death, uh, we would we would celebrate uh, confessions for those uh, who would need it. Uh, in fact, the the third instruction for Holy Saturday is Holy Communion. May be given only as viaticum on this day. So we would bring the Eucharist not just to to the sick as normal. Um, you know, sometimes we make home visits to bring the Eucharist. In fact, I was doing that just the other day on Holy Thursday. Uh, that's actually not done today. Holy Communion on Holy Saturday is given only as viaticum. Viaticum is the word for the last Eucharist. Via t cum. It literally means with you on the way. The, the way being the final way, the via towards towards heaven. Viaticum is the last Eucharist designed to strengthen someone who is near death. So the Eucharist, Holy Communion, is given only as viaticum on this day. Uh, Mass is not celebrated. The altar is left bare until the vigil. And uh, that's where we're going to go now. We're going to talk about that great vigil of Easter, uh, which it says, we anticipate the night of the resurrection. Notice it's the night of the resurrection. When did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, it's during the night. Not Easter Sunday morning. Notice that very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, as the sun was just coming up, or while it is still dark, uh, so it's Easter Sunday morning, and when the women get to the tomb, it's already empty. When did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, sometime during the night of Holy Saturday into Sunday morning. And so the church, from the very earliest days, gathered on the night, anticipating wanting to be present, wanting to experience at the very moment, liturgically, the moment Jesus rises from the dead. Well, that is what we celebrate in the great vigil of Easter. The word vigil itself means to keep watch, particularly a, a night watch. The, the liturgy of the hours that used to you know be prayed all through the, the night, even, those offices would be called the offices of, of vigils. Uh, it's kind of combined now into to matins and, and lauds going into the early morning uh, but to keep a night watch, a vigil. Uh, so, again, just to reiterate the the kind of principle I've given in the the liturgy, especially in these these liturgies of, of the Sacred Triduum, the three days. Past events that that took place in time are are, are made present now, but it, it's not even just a thinking back to things that that happened a long time ago. It's it's not even that they're made present so that uh, we could pretend and, and think about in a, a powerful way. What it would have been like to, to be at the tomb on Holy Saturday night when Jesus burst forth. It, it's more than simply thinking about it. It's a Greek word that I've used, anamnesis. It means to remember, but a remembering that makes present. Okay? It's the same kind of understanding the Jews would have about the Passover. Celebrating the Passover each year, it actually makes present present the saving action of God in history. So it is with the, the liturgy of the Triduum and, and every liturgy, really. Not only, though, is the past event made present, but we, we share in it. We experience it ourselves, new, us. We will experience, through the liturgical celebration, we will experience Jesus rising from the dead. That is what we celebrate that is what we will experience tonight. Jesus actually rises from the dead, is reborn to new life in us tonight. It actually happens. It's a, it's a work of grace. It is a mystery. Again, that word that means to keep silence because we don't, we don't know how to exactly describe it, but it happens. Special graces are given to those who attend this liturgy tonight. It really happens. And I, I pray that you will experience powerfully uh, the Lord rising again in in you and of course one of the the things that people often associate with the easter vigil is the sacrament of baptism of the catechumens catechumens are those who have been preparing for baptism all you know at least probably the last year sometimes multiple years tonight's the night they get baptized so for them uh in a very special way (laughs) the life of jesus is born into them those who are dead in sin and darkness Now enlightened, washed clean, the Holy Spirit rushes upon them just as the water will rush upon them in the the physical physical sign of the sacrament, so that the Holy Spirit really gives birth tonight to new life and baptism. So uh, that's why the the church has, from a very early time, uh, especially celebrated the baptism of, of new Christians into the church at the Easter Vigil, and as we will see, that's part of it. But... Uh here's here's the thing. People often make the mistake who've been Catholics even a long time that well the the Easter Vigil, that oh that's that that's that Mass for the the people who are becoming Catholic. You know, we don't go to that, we go to the Mass on Easter Sunday morning because that's the normal Easter Mass. That 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 vigil thing, that's you know, that's for the, the catechumens and stuff, right? The RCIA, right of Christian initiation of adults. No. <laughs> the Easter Vigil is for everyone. Uh if I could yell that uh over and over. The Easter Vigil is for everybody because it is the the liturgy of all liturgies. Uh, St. Augustine referred to the Easter Vigil as the mother of all vigils. Uh, Catherine is asking, what is that word again? Uh, Anamnesis. You can look that up in in Greek. It means to remember, make present. Hopefully that's the word you wanted, Catherine. but the vigil is for everyone. And that, that means that as I said, St. Augustine called it the mother of all vigils. Because if ever you were gonna watch through the night anticipating some event, well, the resurrection is the biggest event to ever happen. So if you're gonna watch for an event, that's the one to watch for. So the the baptismal liturgy is of course an important part of the uh the Easter vigil. It's it's one that we've been preparing for and the, the RCIA has been uh uh, waiting for it for a long time. So, yes, that's part of it. But it's only part. There are things that, much like Good Friday and Holy Thursday, only happen once a year. And so now I, I want to go over a little bit, um, you know, what what it is, what things happen tonight. That Why is this night different from every other night, as gets asked in the Passover liturgy? Uh, well, I'll tell you why this night is different from every other night. Uh, there There are things that we do only tonight. So I'm going to spend the rest of the time talking uh, about that. We've got about, oh, just about a half hour left, and yeah, we'll see. If you got questions, we'll keep going. There's, we're just watching and waiting today, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get through a little bit about some of the liturgy of the Easter Vigil that uh, you might not be aware of, might not think of, um, but will will help you to maybe pray through this. Even if you can't be there, maybe you can watch it. Okay, so first thing you'll notice is the, uh, in the Missal, tonight's liturgy. The, it's not Holy Saturday, Holy Saturday part of the missile is done. Easter time, the season of Easter begins tonight. Okay, and so the, the actual, the title is Easter Sunday of the Resurrection of the Lord. And yes, it starts Saturday. Okay, so the Easter Vigil and the Holy Night, that is the, the title for tonight's liturgy. By most ancient tradition, This is the night of keeping vigil for the Lord, in which, following the gospel admonition, the faithful carrying lighted lamps in their hands should be like those looking for the Lord when he returns, so that at his coming he may find them awake and have them sit at his table. Okay, this is a reference to the gospel of Luke. Uh, Stay dressed, for action and keep your lamps burning. Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from a wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. That's why we keep vigil. The master, the Lord Jesus, he's rising from the dead and we want to be with our lamps burning, our candles burning, which we will see we actually do, ready to meet the Lord at his coming like those, those 10 virgins who had their lamps ready when the bridegroom came, okay? Like, like those in Exodus, it refers to the Passover. It was a night of watching by the Lord to bring them out of the land of Egypt. So this same night is a night of watching kept to the Lord by all people of Israel throughout their generations. What we do tonight was prefigured in the watching of the Exodus. Remember the, the movie, The Ten Commandments? Uh, everyone's gathered in their, their little house their doorpost are marked with the blood of the lamb because the angel of death is going to go. It is a night of, of death. There is death to the firstborn and life for Israel, for the chosen, who because of the death of the firstborn are then led victorious out of suffering. Everything that happened in the Passover, the exodus, it prefigured the great exodus that would happen tonight. As Jesus rises from the dead, we are brought out of slavery, as it were in Egypt, into freedom of the sons of God. So all that is is wrapped up. I love how the, the scriptures tonight uh, will very much allude to that. Um, of this night's vigil, which is the greatest and most noble of all solemnities. How about that? I thought it was just for the RCIA. Uh, no, it is the greatest and most noble of all solemnities. I thought that's Easter Sunday morning. No, of this night's vigil, the vigil, capital V which is the greatest and most noble of all solemnities, there is to be only one celebration in each church. Okay, so this is this is not like Saturday evening mass where we anticipate Sunday to fulfill your obligation. Okay, it's not like, you know, we'll, we'll do it here and we'll do it there and we'll do a couple of them. No, just one. And it is not, as we'll see, at the time of the normal vigil, uh, the anticipated mass on Saturday. It is arranged moreover, in a way, that after the, the Luternarium, the, uh, the service of light in the Easter proclamation, that is the exultet, that Holy Church meditates on the wonders of the Lord God, that He's done for His people from the beginning, trusting in His word and promise, uh, the second part, that is the liturgy of the word, uh, until as day approaches with newborn, with new members reborn in baptism, which is the third part, the Church is called to the table of the Lord prepared for his people the memorial of his death and resurrection until he comes again, the fourth part, that is the celebration of the Eucharist. So there are four parts to the Easter Vigil uh, that were just mentioned there. We're going to go over each of the four. But here's a very important instruction for the Easter Vigil. I was saying how it, it does not take place at the time of the Saturday evening Mass. Instruction says very clearly, the entire celebration of the Easter Vigil must take place during the night so that it begins after nightfall and ends before daybreak on the sunday okay let me emphasize that the whole thing takes place at night nightfall darkness as we're going to see the the service the first part is the solemn blessing of the beginning of the vigil or the luterarium, the service of light light will Play a very, very important symbolic role in the beginning of this vigil. I just talked about enlightenment as a word for baptism, going from darkness to light. Light is important. Uh, we do things that are symbols in the liturgy, and, and light, of course, is a symbol, but it, it, it's a symbol that we want to be authentic. So, as we're going to see, the vigil sings very much about the night the night, the night, this is the night, this is the night. This is the night can't do that if it's still light outside. If it's not night, it makes no sense for us to be singing about the night. So the whole thing has to be in darkness. Because that's what we're going to see, we we brighten the darkness at the beginning. Um it's one of those things as a, as a liturgy nerd, uh here's a little liturgy nerd thing for you. Um it is the only time in a liturgical document, an official document of the church, it's called the circular letter on the the Easter Feast, preparing the Easter Feast, uh, little instructions to help priests properly carry out the Easter Feast. Only time I have ever seen the word reprehensible used in an official liturgical document. Wow, reprehensible, what, Father Sean, could possibly be reprehensible about Easter? Well, here's what would be reprehensible. Beginning the Easter Vigil before dark at the normal time of the Saturday evening mass. That the church calls reprehensible, okay? And I speak here mainly to my brother priests or people who would have such authority to plan the timing of the liturgy. Starting before it is dark is reprehensible to use the words of the church. Why? Because this is the holiest, most important day of the whole year. And we're, we're gonna sing about the night. How dare you sing about the night in the middle of the day? Come on, priests. If, if, you, if this is not important enough to do at night, uh, get somebody else to do it, okay? And sometimes we're like, well, we want to start early so that people will feel you know, better able to attend and people want to get home earlier and get to bed. Okay, let those people not come, frankly. It, I mean, it, it, the Easter vigil is not, you know, the Easter vigil is for everybody, but not everybody can do it, okay? If If, if fasting requirement ends at 59, okay, you can you can excuse yourself from attending the Easter vigil if you just can't do it. Keeping a long night watch, well that's not done by everybody. So, if you're not in the mood for keeping a long possibly 3-hour vigil to watch and anticipate the resurrection of the Lord, just don't be there. It's okay. Let the younger people who are able to do it do it. Quite frankly though, I've seen a lot of old people stay up to midnight on, you know, New Year's Eve to bring in the new year. So, if we can stay up until midnight on New Year's Eve just to flip our calendar, or heaven forbid if if your basketball game, you know, went into overtime or your baseball game went into extra innings, we stay up late for all kinds of things. So, surely we can handle this for the most sacred vigil of the resurrection of the Lord. Okay? Off my soapbox there, but it is clear. The Easter vigil takes place at night. And starting before it's dark is called reprehensible but i i will note sometimes people go overboard and i've been a part of a vigil of this one time where you know we we started at like two in the morning and wanted to finish with sunrise okay that's that's good but just keep in mind it is also supposed to be done before daybreak so keep in mind that other little part of it okay so off the soapbox it's at night okay um uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll forgo the rest of the instructions and, and get into the, the first part now. Okay, so why darkness? Why does it have to be night? Well, here's the deal because the beginning of the vigil is a service of light, a lucernarium, uh, as it's called in the Latin, and it begins not in the church. In fact, we start outside at a different place, and there you will find darkness because it's dark outside and the people will gather in a fire, a fire, a blazing fire, a rogus ardens in the Latin, a rogus is the same word that's used for like a funeral pyre. So a, a fire big enough that it could burn up a dead body, that kind of thing. You think of, think of Star Wars and Darth Vader being, you know, his body being burned by Luke Skywalker. Big, big deal, okay? Big fire, big fire. Rogus Arden's blazing fire is prepared in a suitable place. Used to be in the instructions b- before the uh, reforms of Holy Week in the 50s. The fire was actually lit as a part of the liturgy. It was lit by, uh, by the striking of a stone, of a flint. Um, so imagine, though, the, the pressure, I suppose, on the celebrant to uh, light a fire with flint and steel. Uh, in front of everybody to start the vigil. I I think that's really cool, actually. Uh, however, that instruction has been taken out. Not that you, suppose, couldn't do it still, but I suppose to take the pressure off the celebrant, uh, the fire is apparently already going. It says, a blazing fire is prepared in a suitable place outside the church. When the people are gathered there, the priest approaches with the ministers. One of them carries the paschal candle. Processional cross and candles are not carried. All right, so... We just got word of a very important uh, sign of the liturgy tonight, and that is the Paschal candle, because we're going to start at the fire, and the fire is going to represent for us the breaking of the night. If you think of the power of the resurrection. Oh, well, what's one of the most powerful things we have? Well, fire. I like the fact that if you've, if you've studied the, the Shroud of Turin at all, and I invite you to explore that. Um, it's the what is believed to be the burial cloth of Christ. And on this cloth, which, you know, you don't have to believe it, but man, there's a lot of evidence that this is almost certainly the cloth in which Christ was buried. But the image, there's an image of Jesus crucified, dead on the cloth. How did it get there? We don't know, it's not painted, anything like that. But the closest example we've got is that it was burned on by an intense burst of radiation. It's like a, it's it's, it's not a radiation burn, but it's like that. Well, the closest thing we've got to recreate that, <laughs> barring a radiation burn to zap everybody at the beginning of the Easter Vigil is a fire. Uh, so it's kind of as though Jesus rising from the dead is like a big fire that burned at the, you know, if you had been in the tomb at the moment Jesus rises from the dead, um, it would have been something like a a burst of energy. I don't know if you could see it. I don't know if you could feel it because it's beyond merely physical, but it left us a physical sign in the Shroud of Turin. Uh, So a blazing fire piercing the night burning. Um, And the words that begin this, listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, On this most sacred night, in which our Lord Jesus Christ passed over from death to life, the church calls upon her sons and daughters scattered throughout the world to come together to watch and pray. If we keep the memorial of the Lord's paschal solemnity in this way, listening to his word and celebrating his mysteries, then we shall have the sure hope of sharing his triumph over death and living with him in God. Notice that it's on this sacred night in which Jesus passed from death to life. It, it actually happens for us. This is the night. Beautiful. What we do then is we bless the fire. O oh God, who through your Son bestowed upon the faithful the fire of your glory, sanctify this new fire. You know, it's, it's a new fire of, of Easter. Sanctify this new fire, we pray, and grant that by these Paschal celebrations... We may be so inflamed with heavenly desires that with minds made pure, we may attain festivities of unending splendor through Christ our Lord wow i when i when I started talking about Holy Thursday two days ago i just I just went for like I think twenty minutes on just the opening prayer because there's so much in there. if you know what's going on the, these little words you know they're not throwaway, okay, bestowed upon the faithful the fire of your glory, All right think of. Think of the burning bush, God speaking out of the fire to Moses. God's glory is a, a fire. Grant that by these Paschal celebrations, so that's the, everything we're about to do in the liturgy, Paschal, read Easter celebrations, we may be inflamed with heavenly desires. Sometimes we refer to our passions as our, our burning passion, our desires. Sometimes we... We, we burn for the wrong things, don't we? Tonight we're praying that, that just as we are looking at this big fire, that we may be on fire, that our souls may be on fire, that we may burn with desire for God. I don't know about you, but I, I burn with desire sometimes for a lot of things. Sometimes it's, it's even like hard to say no to things because we are so desirous of them. It's like a fire that consumes us. That's that's the words that the church gives us tonight. Looking at this big huge fire, church says, be like that. Be like that for God. Be on fire for God. Just the way this big, huge Rogus Ardens blazing fire is on fire. Be like that for God. <sighs> big stuff. We may be inflamed with heavenly desires that with minds made pure. Notice what a fire does. It also purifies, it burns away. We have the image of like gold or silver being purified in fire. So yes, have these desires, have big, big desires like a burning fire and then let them be purified by the fire of God's glory. Why? So that we may attain festivities of unending splendor. The word splendor in in Latin, the the word implies light, dazzling light. my goodness. We haven't even started yet. That's all just the, that's the first prayer. That's just the blessing of the fire. If I keep going like this, I'm gonna talk for four hours about the Easter vigil. All right, we gotta move on. So that's the blessing of the fire. So what are we going to do with that fire? Well, we're going to bring the fire into the church. Carefully. Fires also can get out of control. Uh, So how do we do it? Well, it's kind of like lighting the uh, Olympic flame a little bit. Uh, We have a torch. This torch is known as the Paschal Candle. It is the big, huge candle that you often see by the baptismal font, which you see all during the season of Easter, up by the Ambo where the readings are read. It is blessed on this night. Uh, If you only come to Mass on Easter Sunday morning, all people will know is like, hey, there's a new big candle. That's nice. You don't even know what happens. It gets blessed at the Easter vigil. Here's what happens. Okay, big candle. It's uh, made of wax. It's a a real candle. It can't be a fake oil candle. It's got to be a real candle because the candle, uh, the priest actually carves into it. Now, it could be kind of pre-made, but... But technically, the, the priest, even if it's got symbols pre-carved, the, the priest is supposed to carve into the candle. And he carves specific things. He says, after the blessing of the new fire, one of the ministers brings the paschal candle to the priest who cuts, engraves a cross into the candle with a stylus. Um, and, and so it, it's almost as if uh, we're, we're wounding the candle. Okay, the, the, the candle throughout the Easter vigil will represent Christ. So when you think the candle, think Christ. So we're we're gonna cut a cross into it, you know, just as Jesus was was wounded on the cross. So we cut a cross into the candle, and as he does, he says, "Christ, yesterday and today." He he cuts the vertical line, the beginning and the end. Isn't this this is so cool? If, if after the Easter Vigil tonight or after Easter Sunday, morning, go up and look at the Paschal candle, and you'll see these symbols on it. Okay, yesterday and today, the beginning and the end. He says the beginning and the end as he cuts a horizontal line of the cross on it, like a line going from beginning to end. It's just so cool. Okay, the Alpha and the Omega. Think of the book of Revelation. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, Alpha and Omega. Okay, so the the priest literally carves or, or traces the letter Alpha and the letter Omega. The Alpha goes above the cross and the Omega goes below. Um, sometimes these symbols get put different places on the candle, especially if they're pre-made, um, th- there is actually a reason why the alpha goes above and the omega goes below. And it, it, um, I, I didn't actually even, it didn't dawn on me after all the years of doing this. I, it didn't get me until I'd been to several Easter vigils and, but the, the alpha uh, above, okay. Over the course of the year, we, we burn this candle and it's a big one, but it, it burns down and it, it hit me one year. It was, it was, uh, lent so we had used up basically the Paschal candle from the previous year. It had burnt down and there was nothing left of the Paschal candle that could be identified. Uh, all the markings had burned off as the candle had burned down. And all that was left was a stump of a candle with the Omega on it. It was, it was a stump of a candle and all that was on it was Omega. That's the only marking that was left. And I thought, that's it. <laughs> how, how perfect. It, the, the candle gives up itself and it burns from alpha to omega and omega the last the end that's it it's done omega was all that was left so anyway there there is some benefit to burning or putting the alpha above and the omega below just saying um it it, it's it's pretty cool the way that the candle burns from alpha to omega okay now he's going to inscribe the numerals of the current year there, if you put the cross on there, there are four little spots, okay, where you can put numerals. So, entwined in the cross, as it were, will be this year. We're going to put two, <clears throat> two zero two two, for the uh, uh, what am I doing? Two zero two one. I'm ready to jump ahead of year. I'm ready to be out of this. Twenty twenty one. We're here. So you're going to put two zero two one in the cross. And as he does so, he says, "All time belongs to him." Writes a two. All the ages writes a zero, to him be glory forever. Another two, through every age and forever, amen. And he puts the one. So it's like all time is now wrapped up in the cross. Man, you didn't even notice anything was on the candle, maybe. But we're not done yet. Now, we're gonna take five grains of incense. And normally this is like, a, you could do it, you would, you would take some incense and burn it and kind of melt it together with wax and things and put it on the end of a, a nail, or a screw or something. Uh, Now, it it used to be that uh, the incense was actually pressed into the candle. It's a little hard to make all this happen on cue at the, you know, the fire. So normally now, the the incense is pre-made on a little uh, ball of of wax that gets stuck with a nail. Get this. Five, five grains of incense pressed into the cross that's already been cut into the candle. This is what the priest says. By his holy and glorious wounds, may Christ the Lord guard us and protect us. Amen. And he is instructed to put the five grains of incense uh, into the cross to represent the five wounds of Jesus. So we've got a cross cut on the candle, and then we further wound the candle at the spot Jesus' hands and feet inside where he was crucified. How about that? Okay, that's all just the blessing of the candle. Go up and look at the candle afterwards. Then we light the candle from the fire, like kind of lighting the Olympic torch, as it were. Uh, and the priest says, "May the light of Christ, rising in glory, dispel the darkness of our hearts and minds." Okay, that ends the, the things at the fire. The some of the the coals from the the Easter fire are placed in the thurible, the little incense. Uh, a um, uh, carrier, uh, incense pot, coals from the fire are put in. And so we now form a procession. Said that there are multiple times in the year we do processions. This is the big one. So we process to the door of the church and the church is dark. Remember, all the people are outside, theoretically. People who can't leave the church can stay. But the church is dark, completely dark. And in comes the Paschal candle with the flame of the new fire of Easter. And right at the door, as, as if at the, the door of the, the, the tomb, here comes the light of the resurrection and the deacon raises the candle. Are the, we won't have a deacon tonight at St. Patrick's, so I get to do this. I haven't got to do this because I've always had a deacon. There's always been a deacon. Every parish I've been at, there's been some deacons. So I haven't got to do this since the time I was a new priest and we didn't have a deacon. I get to do it tonight. It's really cool. So I'm going to carry the candle. To the door of the church, says the deacon, standing, raises the candle and sings, "Lumen Christi," which in English is "the light of Christ," and everyone responds, "Deo gratias," "Thanks be to God." Just simple, the light of Christ, and it dispels the darkness. Uh, at that point, everyone has hand candles, own little candle represents our baptismal candles. The priest lights his candle, and we process into the middle of the church. Now, this church is still completely dark, but there's just this light of the Paschal candle and the light of the celebrant's candle going to the middle of the church. It, this is really cool if you, like, see it from Rome, because they can do it up in the basilica, and the whole basilica is dark, and you just see the two little lights, uh, the deacon with the Paschal candle and the Holy Father with his little candle. Then, in the middle of the church, again, Lumen Christi, Deo Gratias. And now everybody's little hand candle is lit. This represents the light of our baptism. The new light of the resurrection has rekindled the, the light of our baptism in us. I said, we're going to celebrate baptism later and they're going to receive the new light of Christ in baptism. We, we've, we've been baptized. And so we have our baptismal candle and we, we light it. Now, uh, could be your actual baptismal candle. That'd be really cool. Uh, or you, you bring a little hand candle that you bring or the church will have little hand candles. And so what happens is the church starts to get brightened. It's as if we, with the big Rogus ardens, the the blazing fire that was burning outside the church, now through the, the light of our candles the represent our baptism, we enlighten the whole church with, with our light of our baptism. And then finally, uh, as the church gets brighter and brighter and brighter, you see it, it's kind of growing. It goes from complete darkness to there's just the Paschal candle, then there's the Paschal Candle and the Celebrant's Candle. Then there's all our candles, and it gets brighter and brighter and brighter. And finally, the deacon sings a third time, Lumen Christi, Deo gratias. And then it says that all the lights in the church, except for the candles on the altar, are put on. Wow. Boom. Light. Sometimes people don't read the instructions, uh, I think, in in the Missal, and they, they miss this, um, because sometimes you'll— You'll see churches and they're, they're like reading the, the scriptures after this in the dark um, or just by, by candlelight. That's it, actually not what the Missal says, okay? It says, uh, the deacon sings, you know, the light of Christ, all reply, thanks be to God. And then the uh, places the candle at the Ambo in the middle of the sanctuary and lights are lit throughout the church. Okay, the the lights come off. You see this from Rome. they they've got it, so the lights all pop on at the the third lumen Christi. Uh, because the service of light ends, okay? There, there's the the Lutrinarium, the service of light. That's it. We have brightened the darkness. It makes no sense to brighten the darkness and then go back to dark to listen to the scriptures. Okay, We are not listening to the scriptures in the dark. We've been enlightened. The whole symbol of the darkness being dispelled, that's what the service of light is about. Darkness is dispelled by the resurrection. The darkness is over. We read the scriptures in the light of Easter. We're not in darkness like the Jews, as we heard on Good Friday, who have the veil. No, we read the Old Testament scriptures with unveiled faces and minds. Darkness is gone. We're enlightened. So for heaven's sakes, priest, again, don't go back to darkness after the third Lumen Christi and have people like sit down in the darkness. The lights are supposed to come on. You do not need flashlights for the Easter vigil inside the church. You might hit the fire. You will not need a flashlight in your church if you do it right because the lights come on because the darkness has been dispelled. Because what happens next is the Easter proclamation. It is it is known as the Paschale Preconium or as it's known by its first Latin word, exultet. Uh, it, because the, the word is, is literally, let the, the host, the angels, ministers of God, the host of angels exult. It is about a seven minute long chant that sings because we are so happy that the darkness has been dispelled. And it, it sings the praises of the candle. It, it sings the praises of, of the light. Uh, it is one of the most beautiful, chants, exult. Let them exalt the host of heaven. Exult. Let angel ministers of God exalt, Let the trumpet of salvation sound aloud. Our mighty king's triumph. Beautiful. So I invite you, uh, it'll, it'll talk about how the paschal candle is a lot like the pillar of fire that led the Israelites to the wilderness. If you remember Moses and the exodus, a pillar of fire led them Well, so the pillar of fire just led us into the church. But the the line I want to to bring to your attention is one you'll hear over and over. This is the night. Notice not it was the night back then. No, this is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children from slavery in Egypt and made them pass dry shod through the Red Sea. Oh, we think about that 2,000 years ago? No, this is the night. It actually happens. We are led into freedom. As we come into the church, think of you, you know, as going with Moses and the column of fire at the head, you're being led this night into freedom. This is the night that even now throughout the world sets Christian believers apart from worldly vices and from the gloom of sin, leading them to grace and joining them to his holy ones. This is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. This is the night, right now. This is it. So this is the night. It's, oh, it's very melismatic, as we say in English, uh in music. Truly blessed night, worthy alone to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the underworld. This is the night of which it is written the night shall be bright as day. Again, that's why we can't be in darkness. The night, bright as day. If it's not bright as day in your church, when we're singing this, you're doing it wrong. Dazzling, sparkling, light everywhere. Dazzling is the night for me, full of gladness. So notice what we've got. Outside, darkness, still dark. That's why it has to start in the dark. Inside, dazzling. Dazzling is the night. Uh, I, You know, I, I hate to I hate to bring in a, a popular cultural reference, but um, I was listening the other day to uh, the artist Prince and his song "Go Crazy." It, it starts it starts with uh, this uh, little "dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get to this thing called life," but I'm here to tell you there's something else: the afterworld. It's a place of never-ending happiness, where you can always see the sun, day or night. Now, that sounds a little stupid. (laughs) How can you see the sun in the night? Well, that's that's what we have tonight. Okay, yes, I just brought Prince into my uh, Holy Saturday preview for the first time. I'm culturally adept. So, yes, day or night. It's night outside, but in the church, it's day. Bright as day. This night shall be bright as day. How can a night be bright as day? Because we just took the fire of the resurrection and dispelled the darkness inside the church. And isn't that a beautiful symbol? Inside the church? brightness, day, outside, night. What a beautiful image. Um, I'll just end, the last thing I wanna draw your attention to in the Exalted, uh, there are references to bees. Yes, bees. The, the bees got taken out in 1970, uh, but they came back in 2010. So the, the bees are back in town. Uh, we have a the proper translation of the Exalted, uh, talks about um, the bees that gave the wax, okay? Now we know the praises of this pillar, referring to the candle, which a glowing fire ignites for God's honor, a fire into many flames divided, yet never dimmed by the sharing of its light. Isn't that beautiful? You take the Easter fire, and you divide it into all our little candles, and normally you divide something and you have less of it. Everyone only has a little part. But with the, the Easter fire, you divide it, and we have more. It's divided, but not undimmed. effects stronger. It is felled, fed, it is fed by melting wax drawn out by mother bees to build a torch so precious. Mm, mother bees, don't forget the bees. Uh, you're like, okay, listen to this. On this night, your night of grace, O Holy Father, accept this candle, a solemn offering, the work of bees and your servant's hands, an everlasting sacrifice of praise, this gift from your most holy church. When, it, when it's a real candle, I said it can't be oil because it, it burns down. It's it's a sacrifice. The candle is a, it gives up its life to feed the the flame. Well, so uh, we we have bees, as it were. They sacrificed to give us the wax to make the candle. It's all just all right. I got to stop. I'm 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 only to the exultet, and it's been an hour. So, but but that that these are some of the things that you don't often learn about. So this is this is really the the inside scoop, um, because after that, that, that is all the end of the first part, okay? The second part, I said there are four parts. Don't worry, I'm gonna go quick through the three parts because these these we recognize more. The second part is the Liturgy of the Word. All right, there are nine readings for the Easter Vigil. Remember I said it's a vigil, it's a night watch, okay? So there are nine readings, not like in normal Sunday Mass where you have a first reading, a second reading of the Gospel, or, or even... Daily Mass where you have one reading of the gospel, there are nine readings. Seven from the Old Testament, the Epistle of St. Paul, and the gospel. Nine readings. And, and each of the readings from the Old Testament, I said, this is why it's not in darkness because we read these readings in the new light of having them fully revealed in the new covenant. The old covenant is revealed in the new. So we read about the creation. The, the story of, of Genesis and the creation of the world. Why? Because the resurrection is the new creation. It's the eighth day of creation. Seven days of the original creation, this is the eighth day of creation. It's a new creation. So we read about how in the beginning, God first created the world, now he's recreating it. Recreating it through his resurrection, recreating it in, in baptism, in the new life that the catechumens will experience. With each reading, there's the reading, there's a responsory, and then we actually stand and we we pray. There's a special prayer at the end of each reading. Uh, so then uh, we have the reading from Genesis on the sacrifice of Abraham, again foreshadowing the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Father Abraham, here is the fire and here's the knife, but where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Isaac asked his father Abraham. God Himself will provide the lamb, my son. When did He do that? Yesterday. Good Friday, same hill. Same hill that Isaac and Abraham were on where Abraham almost sacrificed Isaac. Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. When does God provide the lamb? Yesterday, Good Friday. Behold, the lamb of God takes away the sins of the world, dies on that same hill. Isaac was not sacrificed. Jesus really was. So we read the story of Abraham and Isaac, the faithfulness of our father in faith, Abraham. Then we read this crossing of the Red Sea. We've already talked a lot about it with the column of fire going forth. We read about how God saved his chosen people in the crossing of the Red Sea. Now he saves us through baptism, through his through his resurrection. Okay, then we we have a fourth reading um on the 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 new Jerusalem from Isaiah. Then the fifth reading is also from Isaiah. This is the one about water um and and then the the sixth reading is, is from the prophet Baruch. We don't often hear from the prophet Baruch, but we get it tonight at the Easter Vigil. And the, the seventh reading is from Ezekiel about pouring clean water upon us. Those seven readings are, are fixed. You are allowed, you are allowed, I'm not saying you should do it. You are allowed to only do... Three of those. Uh, the readings follow. Um, for pastoral need, it uh, could be reduced. So sometimes people reduce the number of the Old Testament readings. Not saying you should do it, but if it's reduced, it can be done. Now, after the last reading from the Old Testament, with its responsorial and its prayer, we have the Gloria. We haven't had the Gloria, remember, since Holy Thursday night when we rang the little bells, we rang the tower bells, we went crazy during the Gloria. Now we get to do the gloria again. And at this point, the candles on the altar are lit. If there are uh, images of statues that have been veiled in purple, they can be unveiled now. Um, it used to be that uh, I, I said that, um, you know, it was strict. The organ didn't play, and it was even uh, forbidden for the flowers and everything on the altar until this exact moment. So there used to be uh, large like processions with flowers during the Gloria to decorate the altar. Uh, when I was pastor, I, I try to uh, I try to to make this happen a little bit. I I kind of have the lilies placed. The decorating people do it, and then I I take them out and maybe at least have like you know seven or twelve people or so come in with the lilies. So the the glory at the Easter vigil is well, it's glorious because you've got you got bells ringing, you got candles being lit. I I, I have like you know flowers being processed in, uh, images being unveiled. It's like <clears throat> church knows how to do this. So priest think about that. Uh, you could do that. Uh, and we, we sing the Gloria. And, and then we have the, uh, the beautiful uh, epistle uh, from St. Paul. And then after the, uh, after the epistle comes the big moment that we've been waiting for since the beginning of Lent, the A word comes back. We get to say the A word for the first time since Septuagesima. if you're old school, or the beginning of, of Lent, if you're new school. I'm talking about, I'm going to say it, because this isn't a liturgy, and it, it's Holy Saturday anyway, so we're getting there. We get to say, Alleluia. Okay, now that's not in the liturgy yet, so I can say it, but here's the deal. When, when we do it tonight, we are so happy for the return of the Alleluia, that this is how it's done. It's the, this is done by the, the, priest, the priest celebrant, uh, uh. Can can somebody else do it? No, it doesn't. Have, after the epistle has been read, all rise. Then the priest solemnly intones the Alleluia three times, raising his voice a step each time, with all repeating. Oh no! If necessary, the psalmist intones the Alleluia. Okay, but I will say Pope Francis cannot sing, and he does it. So, priest, practice this. You can do it. Okay. It's done three times. And it's, it's long and melismatic and drawn out. And the people repeat it. And then it goes up a step. Alleluia. Alleluia. Everyone repeats it. Alleluia. And it goes up three times. Because we're just so happy for Alleluia to be back. And, and then after that, we have Psalm 118, 117 in the Vulgate. Uh, It's the one that talks about the the stone which the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and it is wonderful in our eyes. That psalm. There are three verses of it, and we sing hallelujah in between while we're processing over to read the gospel, and then the gospel is read, and we hear, finally, the New Testament gospel story of Jesus risen from the dead. That is reading number nine that caps it all off. That is the second part, the liturgy of the word. It is the second part, actually, when the church talks on the documents. that is the, if you had to say, what is the characteristic defining part of the Easter Vigil? Well, people would actually say, well, gosh, it's the blessing of the fire and the candle. That's, that's it for me. Or most people would probably say, well, it's, it's the baptisms. It's, it's the Christian initiation, the confirmation and first communions. That's what the Easter Vigil is about. Church actually says that it is the second part, the liturgy of the word, that gives the Easter vigil its characteristic nature. Because remember, I said the vigil is a watch. Well, what do we do as we watch and pray? We read the scriptures. So that's why it's supposed to be long. If if you are trying to find ways to make the Easter vigil less long, you're probably doing it wrong. Because everything that's added to the Easter vigil is done to make it longer. We add readings because we wanna make it longer. We're keeping a watch. It is not a normal mass that lasts an hour, or else we're going to leave. When when I have lots of baptisms and I do all the readings, which which I did when I was pastor, it, it takes about three hours. Okay. Now, here with COVID, I think we're we're abbreviating some of the the readings here, and that's that's allowed. So I mean, maybe two and a half in a typical sort of parish. Enjoy those readings. Okay. I, I find that when you do all the readings you kind of settle in a little bit and you just start to enjoy it. There's a reading, there's a responsory, there's a prayer, and it's the history of salvation. What did the early Christians do on the first Easter Saturdays? This is what they did. They did what the Jews did at the Passover. They read the stories. What do we do on the night of the resurrection? We read the stories. We tell our story, the family story. We get together as our family, as the church throughout the world, as we heard at the beginning of the vigil, The church throughout the world gathers as our family. And what do we do? We tell the family story. Remember that time when we were slaves in Egypt and God saved us? Remember that time when Abraham almost sacrificed his beloved son? Remember that time when Isaiah prophesied that God would send living water? Remember that time when Ezekiel said that we would rise from the dead and God would sprinkle us with clean water? We tell that story because it's been fulfilled. God said all these things in the Old Testament. He said them. It'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do this. And he did it. He promised he would save us. And now we, we read those stories in the light of the resurrection, knowing that God was faithful. He did everything he promised he would do. Wow. All right. Now we can just kind of wrap it up with the third and fourth part, because the third part is the one that we all think about, the baptismal liturgy. This is where the catechumens are, in fact, baptized. Okay, they, they come forward, having read all these stories about God cleaning us with water, well, we, we get to see it happen in front of us, for those of us who are already Catholic. That's why it's for everybody. What could be more exciting and happy, more point to rebirth, than to actually watch people get baptized uh, at the Easter Vigil? So, first thing, they're, they're called forward. We pray the litany of the saints, knowing that every time we celebrate the liturgy, it's not just us here on earth. It's the church throughout the world and the church in heaven joins us. So we invoke all the saints in the litany of the saints. Then we, we bless the water. And I invite you, uh, if, if you haven't paid attention to this, either at a baptism or, or here at the Easter vigil, that the blessing of water is gonna talk about all the ways that God has used water to save us, like crossing of the Red Sea that we heard about. Listen to that prayer of the blessing of the water. And then here tonight on this night only, ordinarily when the priest blesses the water for baptism he he puts his hand in the the water as as if to give it you know the his power as if you know power goes out from his hand to bless the water at the easter vigil the paschal candle is actually dipped into the water three times and then then held there now here's a little inside little inside baseball and this is all right, this is PG, maybe even a little PG thirteen, but I'll I'll leave it between the lines here. The candle represents Christ, as I said. It is a long stick-like thing. The font is the womb of the church, from which new life springs. And this isn't the you know, this isn't the PG part exactly. I yes, fonts are often round to represent the womb. New life springs from the baptismal font. People who were dead receive new life in baptism. The candle representing Jesus is placed into the womb of the church, the font, three times and held there during the blessing as if, here's the PG-13 part, as if to impregnate the font with the power of Jesus so that new sons and daughters of Jesus will be born from the womb of the church, the baptismal font. Is that not cool? All right? Adults, you get what's going on here. Kids, just trust me, it's cool. Jesus, as it were, goes into the, the font, and new life comes out. New Christians come out. Man goes into a woman, new babies come out, new children are born. Mind blown. See that tonight when the paschal candle is dipped into the font of the church. Okay, PG 13 over. Then we have the baptisms. Uh, people are asked to renounce Satan. And uh, if you've heard me talk before, that normally you would face West to renounce Satan because that's darkness. Do you renounce Satan? Abrenuncio. I reject. And you spit to the West. And all his empty works? Spit to the West. Abrenuncio. I reject. And all his Empty show, his pumps, abrenuncio, spit to the west a third time. Then you turn around 180 degrees. Literally, you turn around, conversion, conversio in Latin. You turn around 180 degrees and you face east. And you're asked, do you believe in God the Father? Credo, I believe. Literally in Latin, I give my heart. You believe in Jesus Christ? Credo, I believe. Do You believe in the Holy Spirit? Credo, I believe. Three rejects, three abrenuncios. Three Kratos, three I Believes, and then you're baptized. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and new life springs out of the font. Ideally, literally springing from the font, because ideally, if you could do it, uh, you would baptize by submersion. Three times, placed under the water and brought back up. That's why the not only is the baptismal font a womb, it's also a tomb. Because when you're underwater, you can't breathe. But then you come up and you do breathe. In fact, you inspire, you Breathe the Spirit. Church knows what she's doing with these signs. After that, oil is poured on you and you're signed with the cross in confirmation. Now, we do not We do it a little smaller here, so you get the sign of the cross traced on your forehead with confirmation. This is the way it would have been done in the early church. You're baptized, you come up, you're anointed with the sacred chrism, that's confirmation. Um, you get other things like a white baptismal garment and then, then the, those who are baptized get a little baptismal candle, which we all carried. After that, that is the, uh, there, there may be also, if it's combined, you may see reception into full communion of, of those who uh, are already baptized and might be received into full communion. Then we all get to renew our baptismal promises and we're all sprinkled with the, the beautiful water of, of Easter that's just been blessed. As we sing, I saw water flowing from the right side of the temple. That ends the third part. Okay, that's the whole uh, baptismal Christian initiation part of it. The fourth part is the liturgy of the Eucharist. And this is the same as it normally is. Uh, We we consecrate the Eucharist. Remember, the tabernacle is empty, still empty. So don't don't genuflect, because the tabernacle is empty. Bow to the altar, but then we're all going to go out to the fire. So theoretically, you might not even go into the church, meet at the fire. But after this Mass, for the first time since Holy Thursday, the new Eucharist of Easter is put back in the tabernacle. And I like to light the little you know, vigil lamp for the, the tabernacle light from the Easter candle and kind of leave it there burning. But uh, the culmination of Christian initiation is the reception of the Eucharist. So all those who have nearly baptized, confirmed, they complete their Christian initiation now with the reception of the Eucharist. So why it's, it's always a little strange when um, we get the, the sacraments out of order in, in modern times, uh, that you get, you get uh, Eucharist before you're confirmed. It doesn't make a whole lot of theological sense. The whole point of confirmation was uh, the ceiling of your baptism, and you're now ready to be fully initiated. The, the Eucharist is the sacrament of sacraments. H- how can you how can you receive the Eucharist before you're fully initiated? It, it doesn't make sense exactly. We've we've kind of flipped confirmation and Eucharist in modern times, but that's a whole another story. It is interesting though that to note at the Easter Vigil, it is required that they happen in that order. So anyone who is seven years old or older. Is presumed to have the use of reason in the church. So, if you are seven years old, the instructions for the the church in canon law and in the liturgy of Holy Saturday, or whenever the reception and, and baptism is done, if you are seven years old, you are baptized or received into the church. You then get confirmed. Okay, does that happen in high school? No, it's actually required, unless there is a grave reason uh, that you are required to be confirmed. And then you receive Eucharist all at the the same Mass. It all happens. All three sacraments of Christianization happen at the same Mass. At the Easter Vigil, it's actually required, unless there's a grave reason. And grave reasons that are given are like, there's no chrism present or, you know, something like that. There there should be no reason at the Easter Vigil why it would not be possible, anyway, to, to follow the instructions. And you're baptized, you come up out of the water, and you're anointed with the chrism, that's your confirmation and then you are fully initiated when you receive the Eucharist in your First Communion all at that same Mass. Now, that's, that's all four parts. So the first part, service of light. Second part, liturgy of the word. Third part, baptismal liturgy. Fourth part, celebration of the Eucharist. That's a lot. But when it's over, we, we finally have the dismissal. We've been waiting. We've been waiting. Remember I said there's no dismissal at the end of Thursday or Friday. Finally, we get it. The dismissal, Go in peace, and we're so happy to sing Alleluia that we add Alleluia twice on the end. Go in peace, Alleluia, Alleluia. Oh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that, and then we all repeat that back. Uh, thanks be to God, Alleluia, Alleluia. And with that, the the uh, the sacred Paschal Triduum actually goes all the way in until Vespers the next day on Sunday. The only thing that's different uh, at Mass on Easter Sunday. Remember, I said the Easter Vigil is the, is the the Mass of Easter. Uh, if, you, if you go to Mass on Easter Sunday, so not the Vigil, um, you will notice one addition, and that is that you won't find at the Vigil, and that is a special chant called the Sequence. Uh, sequence, secare means to follow. And so this was a little embellishment that followed the Alleluia. Uh, for reasons of weird liturgical history, which I won't go into now, the secare, the Sequence that follows the Alleluia, now precedes it. Ask me later. Nonetheless, it is a the most famous sequence in the church on Easter. Victime Paschali. Victime Paschali uh, laudis himmel and Christiani. Christians praise the Paschal victim. And I I'd love it. More set vita duelo Conflict sere mirando Reignat vivus Oh, it's awesome. Death and life fought in a Stupendous conflagration battle. Reignat vivus, life, life wins. the The living one reigns. It's oh, it's so great. Um, so the the sequence it, it, it has a special tone to it. Victime laudis Christiani ignobis Maria quid Vidiste Tell us, Maria, what you saw on the way, Mary Magdalene. So good. Even the tone just sounds like Easter to me. So the sequence, Easter Sunday morning is the one thing that's different um, from the vigil. Triduum ends Sunday evening with Vespers, but the, the octave of Easter goes for eight days. We end on the octave eight days later. Every day is Easter for eight days. And the season of Easter goes on for 50 days, all the way up to Pentecost. And it all starts tonight. Tonight is the night. And uh, I know I went a little bit longer today because you get someone who loves this talking about the Easter Vigil, and there's just, I'm sorry, I spent 20 minutes talking about the fire, didn't I? Oh man! All right, so there it is. An hour and 20 minutes of your Holy Saturday preview. In fairness, I had to cover Holy Saturday and the Vigil and Easter. So this was more than just a Holy Saturday preview because I ain't doing this tomorrow morning because I'll be a little busy at 9 a.m. tomorrow. I'll be passed out high on cream eggs later tonight. And then tomorrow, I'm going to be celebrating Mass a lot with a lot of people. It's going to be awesome. We're coming out of hiding. It's like the tomb is opening. We're coming out of COVID hiding and we're going to celebrate Easter together. So I hope that these last three days with my little Holy Thursday, Good Friday and Holy Saturday preview have been helpful to you. Share it around. Uh, a lot of you joined live today. That's wonderful. Um, I I haven't checked all the the comments um, over, um, over here. Uh, I'll end with this. Don Paula wants to know why is Alleluia such a big deal. Well, it's it's really just become a, a, a tradition that Alleluia is a, an Easter kind of word. So we fast from it during Lent. There, there's nothing there's nothing special about the word. It, it means praise the Lord. Hallel is praise, and Yah is like the revision of Yahweh. So pray, praise Yahweh. Um, no reason why we don't praise Yahweh all the time. In fact, in in some of the Eastern churches, they they I think say Alleluia more <laughs> during Lent. So it, it's kind of just become one of those things that we fast from during all of, of Lent uh, in, the, in the Latin Church, and then it comes back on Easter. So it, it's one of those things where uh, on the beginning of Septuagesima, if you're old school, or beginning of Lent, if you're new school, actually write Alleluia on a little banner and bury it in the churchyard in the cemetery. It's the burying of Alleluia. We don't say it again until in the liturgy, anyway. Uh, until Easter, and so it would be resurrected tonight, and the, the alleluia would be resurrected. So it's just a word uh, that in the Latin church we've come to associate very much with Easter, so you will hear alleluia all over the place. Um, tonight at the vigil on Easter Sunday, especially during the octave, the little double alleluia at the dismissal continues to the octave, and then it, it, it disappears the rest of Easter, and the paschal candle burns by the ambo throughout all of Easter, but it all starts tonight as the exultet says, this is the night. So I hope this has helped you understand a little bit what happens tonight. It is not just the liturgy for the RCIA. Keep holy. Uh, today, Holy Saturday, the King is asleep as we read. It is a strange day. We watch, we wait, but um, as it starts to get evening, it gets exciting. I get excited. You can see I'm excited. Uh, so uh, thank you for enlightening with the presentations. Uh, I do hope this has been enlightening, but uh, if you thought this was enlightening, come see the Rogus Ardens, the flaming, blazing fire tonight. We are going to dispel the darkness tonight. That will be enlightening. Enlightening is the Holy Spirit rushing upon our catechumens tonight as to become no longer catechumens, but after tonight, they will be called the neophytes, the new ones, the newly born. It all starts tonight. It's Holy Saturday. During the day, the king is asleep, but tonight is the night, the night of nights. And I pray that I will see you at the church tonight. I will see you at Easter. And I will see many of you that I haven't seen for a long time, probably as you decide tonight is the night to come out of hiding and rejoin the church in glory for Easter. This has been my overview of the Sacred Paschal Triduum, the holy three days. Days so big, they're just the three days. Tonight, it culminates. Look forward to seeing you tonight for the return of the A-word, new life and a big old fire to brighten the night. This is the night. God bless you.